0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour, our man, Julian McKenzie, Flames writer for The Athletic. Did he wear the A yesterday in Stampeders because of The Athletic, you think? i
2: will have to ask. I'm going right. to say no. I think it's probably just random. Hey, Julian, you're you're here fourth. You get the A. <laughs> or third or whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> you like the
3: I think he's a company guy, but I don't know if he was like hey, company. Yeah, I really want to where the A. Hey, this has to be done, or else I'm not coming.
1: Um, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS at the top of the next hour, and we'll talk to Michael Grange. Uh, Canada qualifies for the Paris 2024 Summer Olympic Games in basketball for the first time since 2000. We'll talk to uh, Michael Grange. About that. But uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick have a very popular podcast. It's called 32 Thoughts. You oh? should check it out. Very popular. Mm. Um, they released a Labor Day edition where uh, our man, Frege, uh, gave us an update on the Elias Lindholm contract situation. Because, honestly, Matty, we haven't heard too much about, you know, he. We, we are hearing, you know, whispers. He could be open to staying. He might stay. He might explore free agency. Like what's the latest? Well, Elliot Freeman had this to say about a Lindholm home on 32 thoughts.
4: One of the interesting interviews that was done recently was involving Elias Lindholm in Sweden. He talked to a Swedish reporter about how he'd be willing to stay. From what I understand uh, the Flames and Lindholm have really uh, been quiet this summer when it came to contract negotiations. Uh, I would expect that to pick up as he returns and things get closer to the season. I think the Flames were prepared after they made some of their decisions trading Tyler DeFoley and uh, hearing you know that Noah Hannafin was not going to extend, that they were prepared to let things play out a little bit over the summer. Everybody gets some downtime, just relax and refresh, and they get back to those conversations around now or in the near future. So I would expect things with Lindholm to pick up a bit, but I don't think anything's imminent there, uh, despite what Lindholm said to the Swedish reporter. That's good news for the Flames and their fans, but everybody has to get to a place where they're comfortable.
1: Now, uh, fascinating stuff from Elliot Friedman there on the 32 Thoughts podcast, but it's surprising to me in one way and then in another way, not really. Here's why. Um, you would think after the whole uh, Goudreau and Kachuk situation with the Flames, uh, the fan base, the team is very sensitive on, you know, are you staying? Are you going? Are you going to commit here long term? That's fine. I totally understand that. But ever since uh, Connie's taken over as the GM, Patience has kind of been uh, his approach to being the general manager of the team so far. And Maddie, I'm not really too surprised that he's taking a patient approach when it comes to the future of Elias Lindholm.
3: No, I'm 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 not at all. I've, I've been in this camp for quite some time. I think that both of them are being patient and appropriately so. Like we we talked about it. Who were we chatting with just last week where I, I asked him the question, is that the word of the summer for Craig Conroy? And they totally agreed because that's felt like what it's been the entire time. Didn't do anything at the draft because nothing was up to the level that they felt it should be. Kept patient, waited it out, eventually traded Tyler to Foley. It is what it is. You move on from that one. Like This just feels like one of those situations where Craig Conroy is doing exactly what he preached to everybody as soon as he got the job, that he wasn't going to rush into this, he wasn't going to make any rash decisions. As much as it felt like this was uh, a moment in the franchise's history where you have to make a decision because the, there's a, a a path that leads left and a path that re- leads right, and the force is too thick to carve your own here, you have to pick one of the two and he's taking his time in doing that, and I'm I not holding it against him. I think it's a smart thing to do. I think that with Elias Lindholm, I would also want to see how different things actually are from last season. I would expect it to be a lot, but I would also be interested to see what that looks like when I actually show up to training camp and kind of start talking to people around the city and the team and all that type of stuff, so... Nothing really stood out to me there. It's it's just exactly as we expected. Craig Conroy is biding his time. He's not, he's not jumping into anything too quickly without really knowing that that is exactly what he wants to do, and I'm fully for that. How comfortable are you the, with the
1: Flames signing him potentially to an eight-year deal when he turns 29 here
3: in a couple months? Yeah, I'm comfortable with an eight-year deal. For sure. Where last time... The boys were chatting, uh, the boys being Elliot and Jeff, about the salary cap. They had talked about how next offseason could go up by $4 million and the offseason after that by $5 million. So all of a sudden you're adding $9 million to your salary cap over yeah, two Yeah, but how off-seasons. much can you trust
1: the NHL, really? Like, honestly.
3: No, and that's a totally fair statement, but I'm not trusting the NHL. Like, I'm, I'm trusting insiders and I'm trusting people around it and people who project financial numbers. Like, sure, I don't have to trust them. But those are the numbers that I have available to me. So I'm going to go off them. And Brandon Hangel is not getting eight years at $6.5 million if the salary cap is not going up, s- similar to the numbers I just threw out there. So we'll stand. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the reason why I'm asking you is because how
1: confident are you in Elias Lindholm that he can be that, you know, eight year deal around $9 million a year player that he can still be as effective? in two, three, four yeah, years' time from now.
3: Yeah, I agree. and I, Well, I think he's going to be very effective in two, three, four years' time. Look at Michael Backlund, and he's 34. I think it's kind of the exact same type of player that you've got there, a strong two-way player. Elias has more offensive instincts than Michael Backlin ever had. But at the same time, you've got a guy who keeps himself in good shape, doesn't really get hurt, plays a smart game, like I fully believe that he'll be able to age much like we've seen Michael Backlin age over the last three or four years, which I would argue has been quite gracefully.
1: I know this is a, a big picture question and it's something that we talked about during the season last year and especially when the season was over after missing the playoffs. Do you honestly think the Flames can win the Stanley Cup if Elias Holmes your number one center?
3: Uh I think that you can. Yes. I think that you have to really support him. I'd think that you can't have Elias Lindholm as your one center and then a bunch of scrubs behind him. Like, And I think that's exactly what the Flames understand, that he's not Connor McDavid, and he's not Austin Matthews, and he's not Jack Eichel. But there's a no, lot of guys McKinnon. that, okay, we can keep going down the list, but yep. there's like a dozen guys before you kind of get to that next tier that I think Elias Lindholm is probably in for centermen. And, yeah, as a result, I, I would certainly say he's right in that area where the next couple of years can be really strong for him. And, and if you support him, if you put enough good guys behind him that can also eat up minutes, then I think he's a good enough center that you can go out and you can win a Stanley Cup. Patrick, can the Flames win In the, the same Cup way or... that Ryan O'Reilly won the Blues' Stanley Cup. There was no better right. centerman than Ryan O'Reilly on that team, but they had great depth.
2: I mean, in a per- um, in a perfect world, you'd probably want uh, Elias Lindholm as uh, your two, as your two. Yes, of course. But I think, of course, if you if you you surround him with the talent. And, and the guys around him, if you have a good center depth behind Elias Lindholm, where it's like you have a similar type player to him to be your 2B or your 2C, and then so down, down the list, I think you can make it happen. Uh, and I, I mean, there's also the debate, well, this is the, the best center that the Flames have had since Joe Neuendijk, and it probably is. So you can't really, you have to have this, this guy signed long term. But it it all has to depend on the guys around him that are going to have to step up. I think Jonathan Huberto can have a great season playing alongside Elias Lindholm. I think in another year with them working together. I think as everybody takes another step forward, I think they can get there. But it's all going to have to be on the guys behind him and how this team supports Elias Lindholm and this top line. Because, yeah, there's going to be a lot more youth. Let's see what this youth can do now. But right now, it's going to have to be all dependent on what Craig Conroy and this coaching staff can do to get the team behind Elias Lindholm ready. Because as it says right now, I don't think so. It's going to have to wait a little bit. But, it, it, but as Elias Lindholm has your 1C, yes, he can win it, but it's going to have to be on the on the backs of the other guys helping him out.
1: But, but but, Matty, how comfortable should Flames fans be of a core of, and again, based on contracts, and if Elias Lindholm stays here long term,
3: uh, Lindholm, Caudre, and Huberto? Oh, I don't know if I'd put Kadri in that court, essentially, but... Well,
1: I... he is, because he's your number two center.
3: Yeah, like... But but
1: that's the core of this team for the next five, six, seven years here.
3: I, I think that they would start to probably implement a little bit of youth along the way, but... Well, the, you'd they, hope so. It's a good group to start with, for sure. Like, here's see, the other thing, like... All, All of these are good questions to answer, but the thing is, like, the, the the Flames are in this position. They've gotten themselves into this position. So what is the other option here? Strip it down. Trade Elias Lindholm. But this is right back to the conversation that we keep on having. Okay, you trade Elias Lindholm, then what? You're just a middling team. You literally have to trade everybody. And once again, I think that if this team could have traded guys, they would have
1: started to trade guys. But this is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm asking you.
3: They're not going to be a middling team with that as their core? I think that there's a... I have no idea what they're going to look like. Elias Lindholm looked like a top-five center two years ago, and then the last year he couldn't find anybody to play with, and he looked lost the entire season. And now we're talking about, is he a good enough 2C to win a Stanley Cup? Like, this was a guy who we thought here in Calgary could lead the Flames on a deep playoff run as their 1C, as he was properly supported with guys that he knew, that he played with, that he was comfortable with, right? I do think that there's a possibility that this could be a good core for the team. And I think you also have to include, like, this is a team that I have always felt their forwards are not at the same standard that a lot of other teams, especially in the Pacific Division are. When you look at the Kings, you look at the Oilers, they just don't match up. But this is a team that their core on their blue line with Wieger and with Anderson and with Jacob Markstrom, that's where I look at the core and I say, this is a group that I have a lot more trust and faith in rather right. than looking and at Elias Lindholm, Jonathan Huberto, and Nazem Kadri who are all three so, coming off career bad seasons in a terrible right. environment. So this is kind of a roundabout way of me saying, um, do you want
1: do you want to dedicate potentially eight years to a guy that I'm not sure can drive the line? Because you we talk about how he's the best uh, number one center and how he was a part of the the number one line in the NHL a couple of years ago, but that was Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Guchuk. Like Playing with those two superstar players uh really helps uh, if you're Lais Lindholm. And again, this isn't a slight on the Lyce Lindholm. I'm just asking you a legitimate question. Can he drive a line by himself? Do you want to commit $9 million for eight years to a guy that you're not sure can drive his own line? Yes. That's what I'm asking you.
2: Like I just don't know if there's any other options right now. Like, like you get rid of Elias Lindholm, you drop off a ton at that center depth. You're probably not even close to a playoff team, I think. And this is where this the, the franchise wants to go. Like, Maddie, I don't like. Do you agree? You take Elias Lindholm out of this group, depending on what you get back in return. But you're probably not getting a guy that can be an equivalent to Elias Lindholm in that yeah, return.
3: Sure, but you're also not as bad as Anaheim. You're not even close to as bad as San Jose. No. You're not as bad as Arizona. You're not as bad as Chicago. But like, I, I get there's it. so many more teams in just the yeah. West that are worse than you. Like you're not going to. So p- all of a sudden, you're mm-hmm. talking to me about going back and going to lottery and trying to get a centerman and build through the draft, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And you're talking about a five-year rebuild no. at least. And this isn't a team that's no. bad enough it's to not. bottom out. You're not going to. So take, all of a sudden, you're yeah. dra- you're drafting at nine or ten, and you're getting exactly the what they have exactly more the same as they've so been the last saying, fifteen why years. Why don't you just say, hey, sign the guy. You had a bad year. Sign the guy and go. And and <laughs> here's the thing. If you're bad then, then trade him.
2: Because like you said, in two years, that contract is going to be pretty dang normal for that type it's of player. It's going to be
3: fine. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, going to be fine. That's what you're going to have to pay
2: that type of player going forward in this league. Exactly.
3: And it's that's what where Bo Horvat got. Um, it's what guys that caliber are getting.
2: Because there's only so like, many guys that can make over $10 million in this league right now. And
3: there's, what, a dozen guys that can play power play one PK one and score you 40 goals a year. They, they but, don't but grow again, on trees. Like, we're... We're we're running in the hamster wheel of perpetual mediocrity here.
2: Like, are we? Like, but y- so many times, George, they've they've let players because like they Lindholm were, go. Two
3: years ago, they won their division. They were an unbelievable team. And then last year, they had a terrible year and a coach that was toxic and a terrible work environment, and they plummeted. Sup- <laughs> that shouldn't be surprising, mm-hmm. right? But I but think what about there's a the regret- year before. The year before he came in, he was good, and we've talked about players, uh, coaches like Daryl Sutter no, all the time. That's what I mean. Everybody they have a shelf again, life.
1: Again, everyone tells me how they won the great, but they had pretty much the same players the year before, and they didn't do anything.
3: Like the year before, they winning the division. Yeah, well, they took a step. And the year okay. before that Well the year before that, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk no, was never Canadian played division. together. That was the Canadian and division. And there was a Canadian division, but those yeah. three players were never put together under the previous coach.
1: Right. Like every everyone points to the division winning team, but maybe the team we saw last year and the team prior to that year, maybe that's more of this team. And you talk about getting a step, well, you you the two best players on those teams are gone.
2: You like, had you had Jacob Marksham playing really like, good really good, and if, right. if Markstrom can get back to any sort of semblance of what he was prior to last year, I think you're doing okay. If the goaltending improves, the bad luck they had last year, that can't continue with the one-goal losses, the overtime losses, the the first shot going in. You, that's going to change.
3: Well, and I, I, no, I think that they're a lot closer yeah. to the team that won the Pacific yeah. than the bubble team that lost, like, eight games to the Ottawa Senators in 2020, this 2021. Is between 2021. Like, this is a 90 and 100 point garbage. This is between a 100 and 90 okay. point team.
1: So so let's just let's just you know let let's be honest with the fan base like what this team really is, they're really just trying to get into the playoffs. That's yep. all they're trying to do. And please spare me the whole oh you get in you never know what happens. No, I hate that. Yeah, you know,
3: Florida Panthers just went to the Stanley Cup final, but great point right. by both of you.
1: No, but they didn't win, and they were the anomaly. Since when? Oh, I don't know, the '96 Panthers, like. And they got their doors blown off in that Stanley Cup final. It wasn't even
3: close. So, this once again like, gets I, No, ba- I
1: get it. Like, I know what you're saying. But again, like, we just hang on. To, like, that's why I'm asking you the question. Can the Flames win the Stanley Cup with Elias Honoma as their number one center? I don't yeah, think they can. they can.
3: I think that they can. But here's the thing. 31 teams don't win the Stanley Cup every year. And you have to be stoked that you got to the Stanley Cup final. Like you can't just say oh this season that Florida had they got in 8th but everything doesn't matter the four series that they won that were incredible series that were hard fought series that weren't gifted to them the three series they won part of me before getting to that Stanley Cup final like you you can't say that's not a victory for the Panthers and yes if your only goal is the is the Stanley Cup is this a Stanley Cup contender compared to other teams in the National Hockey League no it's not but at the same time you, you can't just say, hey, if we're not one of five teams that on paper at the beginning of the year think we can win the Stanley Cup, throw everything out and start over and scrap it. Because what are you getting? You're getting a fourth, fifth overall pick guaranteed. Maybe you win a lottery and get up to one or two. But what year do you win a lottery? Do you win a Alexi Lafreniere lottery? Do you win a Steven Stamkos lottery? Do you win a Nail Yakupov lottery? You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, but you're telling me, but when has it happened? What when have they went down that road to be that team? Quite recently, when they drafted Sam Bennett fourth overall and Sean Monahan get it. sixth overall. I get it, but it wasn't long term. It was as like long term as it could have been. What?
2: Again, again, the, like. They, the 14 15 team caught lightning in a bottle and, and made the playoffs when probably they shouldn't have. Yeah,
3: and, and then they bought, and, and then all of a sudden you're not drafting anymore. But that's what yeah. happens in sports. You draft yeah. bad and then your players get better half, quicker can't than plan you expected. To be ba-
2: you can really plan yeah. to be bad for five years, but you can't always plan to be five five years because these guys are like, yeah, we're players. We want to play. How many people thought I Vegas was going to suck in their expansion year? Well, a bunch of these it. misfits trying to yes. glue, gel together. That's the beauty players of sports. Players want to win, man. You never
3: know. <laughs> these guys just bond <laughs> together and they will drag themselves to it. Like, Who thought the Bruins were going to win the regular season last year? That's the beauty of hockey compared to the other three major sports way more is that this thing is random as hell and i love it Listen,
1: for it i i'm not i'm not disagreeing with the randomness of sports i'm just saying that you have to put yourself in a position where you have the horses to win a championship and whatever happens during the season, injuries happen, puck luck's a part of it. I get all of that stuff that you're saying. I'm just saying you need to put yourself in a position to legitimately win a Stanley Cup. And then the chips may be, like, all these things are just like, oh, well, if this goes this way, if this breaks this way. Like, that's that's what I'm just saying here. Like, do you want to commit to a guy that you're not entirely sure can help you ultimately win a Stanley Cup as your number one center, in my opinion? That's all I'm asking. And you can tell me that all these things can happen in the Panthers. I get it. But even in this, in, even in this division, like, look at the centerman they have. He's what? The fifth best centerman in this division? Like, that's what I'm asking you. And you can tell me about randomness of sports and playoff runs and this and that. That's great. I'm just saying heading into a year, you have to have the horses to potentially win you a Stanley Cup and you just hope things break your way. And I'm not sure the Flames have the roster or the players to do that ultimately. And you're right, they're too good to suck. They're too good to suck right now. That's the problem too. But they've never been, you know, for an extended period. Look at the Blackhawks, disaster for the last few years, hit the jackpot. But then you have teams like the Sabres who perpetually stink. But waking up this morning, Matty, what fan base would you rather be? A Sabres fan or a Flames fan?
3: Uh, always a Flames fan, but I understand okay, your question. Okay, oh, well,
1: because you live in Buffalo. I get it, but I'm just saying roster-wise. Living Calgary, but
3: yeah, I know what Roster-wise. Yeah, it's they've, the got they've got a good yeah. roster. Yeah, I know. They've done a good job drafting and being the butt end of a joke for a decade plus. They literally went through two rebuilds, so don't look at the Sabres and tell me, just do that. Just go the through Avalanche 15 years of being a terrible organization. And no Maddie, one goes the to Avalanche your game were a joke. And everybody will lose and nobody will care about the team for a decade and whatever. They'll just go out. They'll play their 82 games, and April 10th will roll around, and we'll all go on vacation, and then June will come around, and they'll draft 7th or 8th overall, and then, boom, they'll be mediocre. It'll be great. Can't wait.
1: Um, we got to get to Julian McKenzie. Uh, <laughs> apologies to Julian McKenzie. Uh, the conversation went long. I'm going to ask him that question right after the break. Can the Flames win the Stanley Cup with Elias Lindholm as their 1C? We'll do that next. Sorry, Julian. It's the Big Show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the Big Show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan. At the top of the hour, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. The season kicks off in less than 48 hours. No, actually it doesn't. It's more than 48 hours. But whatever. Thursday night. We'll talk to Michael Grange from Sportsnet at 8.30. Canada punches our ticket to the Olympics in basketball in 2024. And what if your dream flight, what if a flight you've saved up your entire life for was ruined because of this? We'll do that later on in the show. But right now, our man on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline does a terrific job covering the Calgary Flames for the Athletic. We say good morning to Julian McKenzie. Hello, friend. How are you?
0: Hello, friend. Good to hear your voice. Matty Rose, also good to hear your voice as well.
1: Hi. Um, we saw the uh, picture on the uh, social media last night. Uh, you were at the Stamps game with John Bender. How did you get the A? How did that process happen?
0: It was very random. Uh, they asked me for uh, the size of shirt that I wanted. I was told, uh, well, first I, I said I wanted to wear medium. And I was okay with wearing a large, and then someone dropped out at the last second. Uh, it may or may not have been Patrick Steinberg, but we don't know. Oh, uh, oh and boy. And then wow. uh, I uh, was given a large, and then all of a sudden, they put out the order uh, from S to the other S for Peters, and then I see I'm the A. So I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm wearing the A. And then outside, we're tailgating. And they're doing all these other random names like, oh, let's do stamps. And then they just throw me in there. Oh, let's do tramps. And then they throw me in there. (laughs) Oh, let's do tap or all these other ones. It's just A, (laughs) A, 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 A. Can I buy a A, vowel? vowel.
2: (laughs) Julian's just the the Wheel of Fortune board.
0: (laughs) Seriously. You're just getting taught. It was a great way to get to know everybody because at that point I had only known... uh, Bender and uh, and uh, Ryan Pinder was also there too. But like everyone else, I, I didn't really know. So it was just a nice way to get acclimatized to, to everybody. It was a really fun time. I really enjoyed it.
1: Okay. Um, I'm glad you uh, you had a lot of fun. I'm just trying to think of more uh, things that you could spell with Stampeders. Um, uh, I, have, I have
0: photos of... Yeah, damp. Damp. Those. <laughs> damps. Damp could have been done. Damps. You do damps. I have a friend named come Damps, up actually. I actually have a friend what? named Damps. Really?
3: So is that a nickname? Yeah.
0: So so it's his nickname. uh oh, of course. His uh, nickname is Damps. Uh he 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 used to cut hair back in the day. He you know how like you're giving DAP to somebody? Like we know DAP, like D-A-P-S. He used to think people were saying DAMPS, so he just went by DAMPS. So he just <laughs> took that as his nickname and he ran with it <laughs> off a of mistake. Okay. I like <laughs> that. I like that a lot. Um shout out, shout out Damps.
3: Yeah, I
1: like that. I like that. (laughs) Um, Julian, we played the uh the clip of Elliott Friedman talking about that uh the Flames and Elias Lindholm will have a lot more serious contract extension talks once Elias comes back to Calgary. But the question uh we were talking about, um we had a discussion before he jumped on. I'm sure you heard of it while we had you on hold. Apologies uh for being so late to getting to you. Can the Flames win the Stanley Cup with Elias Lindholm as their number one center?
0: First off, you don't have to apologize to me for anything because that was really okay. good radio between you both. Really good discussion. Two, um, man, ah, uh, it's really tough to answer it that way because there. This sounds like a cop out to say it this way. There are a bunch of factors that could work out their way that could put them in a position to do it if Elias Lindholm is their number one center. But at the same time, like it. He isn't the best center of the division. You're absolutely right. It, when you say five, because Calgary has sorry, Edmonton has two top three centers or two top two centers in Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. That makes it difficult. Um, at the same time, if you part ways with Elias Lindholm and you're parting ways with some of those other pending UFAs, and you start this aggressive retool, I'm of the belief you can't get a rebuild done right away. And I get that people are like, oh, but those guys have NMCs. You can Ask them to, to move and all that. Okay. Who has the salary cap space to take on all those con- all those contracts? Especially if guys like Markstrom and Huberto and Kadri are guys you want off the books and they're coming off bad years. So I feel like at least for this year, if you're in a position where you could at least try, I say try and then hope that some of the guys you're counting on to offload if you want to go to that point, actually have good years this year and then you think okay well you know what we tried our best it didn't work it's time to move on from everybody maybe next off season, as an idea but even then it's not necessarily the greatest situation like I I really feel if you're if you're the flames you really should have figured something out with Elias home now because if you play through this season mm. you're playing through a really risky time man like he could have a really good year and think okay, well, I had another year close to that career season I had. I want a little bit more money than what I thought I was going to be asking for. Not to mention that cap is supposed to, supposed to go up next year, right? He could ask for more money if he has himself a good year. Or if he has himself a not-so-good year, and maybe teams are like, eh, I don't know if you want to trade for him. You're going to lose him for nothing. Like, it's it's a bit of a risk. Also, He's like, what is his age? 28 season, give me 29, getting closer to that 30-year-old hill. Imagine if you're the Flames and you're thinking, hey, man, you had a really good year. We want to sign you long-term and you're closer to exiting your prime. That's also a bit of a risk there. Uh, It's a little bit more comfortable to do that now, I guess, when you still have more years of his prime to lock in compared to next Nexum. It's a bit of a weird song and dance. And maybe I'm not going at it as perfectly as I would like. It is 741 in the morning. But I think... With Elias Lindholm, it's a bit of a weird – it continues to be a weird situation, and the longer it goes, the more risk the Flames put themselves into. But to answer your question, with the roster that they have right now, he gives them the best chance at competing at a Stanley Cup. But in the grand scheme of things, I can understand why you feel he isn't the guy to put you there, Uh, and you would need a much stronger center depth to put you in that position to win a Stanley Cup.
1: Do you think the Flames' mandate as an organization right now is more just to make the playoffs and not legitimately win the Stanley Cup?
0: I, I think, hmm, I think if you ask those guys, they, I mean, and I get they'd be well, have the expectations every year to win the Stanley. I Cup. get it. Realistic right. expectations here. Here's my thinking, and this is just, and we haven't even heard from those guys yet ahead of training camp. I think, considering the fact that the roster largely remains the same beyond Tyler Toffoli being traded, I think this roster thinks. I think those guys think they could do better than just make the playoffs. I think when you look at the expectations they probably set for themselves last year, Rasmus Anderson throughout the year was saying no one had bigger expectations than us. That tells me that you look at the roster that you have and you consider all the playoff experience you had prior, and you wanted to do more than just make the playoffs. And if you're largely keeping that same set of guys and you're banking on guys going through healthy off seasons, no random shoulder injuries popping up out of nowhere, players who were traded into the new organization, getting over whatever shock they were going through, all of those factors, people not being worried, being told to embrace the chaos. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like a team that just wants to make the playoffs in my view. Are they a team that could just make the playoffs on paper when you look at what Vegas and Edmonton could look like? That's a different story in itself. But I, I, to me, at least with the way this roster is constructed, with all the pieces, well, things they're able to do, this team seems like they're comfortable running it back with those guys and they think they could make the playoffs and go beyond that. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't know if I disagree with that either.
3: How much time this season do you think you'd give before you feel like you're going to have a good idea of which the next direction will be? Because for me, it feels like i got to see some of this season before I really decide what I feel would be the best direction for the club.
0: I think at the new year, you get a better idea mm. of, of what the team is at. We say American Thanksgiving is that marker where we say – uh Teams that are in a playoff position, they're likely to make it. Teams that aren't in a playoff position, they're likely to fall out. The Calgary Flames, I believe, were in a playoff position at Thanksgiving last year, but a lot of those worries and troubling play they had, they were starting, they were knee deep in that, honestly. Uh, and then they eventually fell out. We know how that season ended. I think once you get into the new year, you see where this team is positioned. Are they in a top three spot in the Pacific Division? Are they clinging on is it similar to what we saw last year where maybe they have a decent start but it just isn't working and they're fighting for a playoff spot then you start to make some changes i think if you're fighting i think if you're the flames and you're fighting for a playoff spot that's not good enough you have to start offloading some pieces
3: yeah and so many questions happen after that. Like, I wonder the big, Absolutely. like one of the biggest things for me is what is Jonathan Huberto going to look like early on? And not necessarily even just on the ice, because one of the things that, you know, you listen to Elliot Freeman at the end of last season, in the offseason, he talked about how Jonathan Huberto was one of the guys that was always an organizer down in Florida. He always organized the team parties. He always made sure everyone was close together, all that type of stuff. I want to hear these guys are hanging out. I want to hear they're close together. I want to see him on the ice doing his whole thing. But I think that a big part of Jonathan Huberto on the ice would be being comfortable off the ice. And I just wonder if that would be a a part of it to kind of get an eye on as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the one big question I have about Jonathan Jonathan Huberto, where do you play him? I mean, think about it. Where do you play him? Where do you start him this year? Are you going to try Huberto Lindholm again? that didn't necessarily work all that well, as well as they would have wanted. It, it got to a point where he was bouncing around him and, and Lindholm, him and Kadri, him and Michael Backlund were a thing. And and I get that some of that had to do with the previous head coach. And I get that they have to account for Mark Safard coming in and Ryan Huska uh, being promoted as well. And maybe some of those changes offensively could make it a little bit better for Jonathan Huberto to play on a top line with Elias Lindholm. But until then... I mean, that's still some adjustment he's going to have to do with that, but Jonathan Huberto wanted these changes, so we'll see. But if it's going to put him in a position where he'll be a little bit more suited offensively, maybe it'll help. But I have questions about where he's going to fit. I mean, he should be left wing number one to start off training camp. You probably run those two back again, Lindholm and, and, and Huberto. But if it doesn't work again, I'm very curious about how you organize that because you need Jonathan Huberto to play at a high level i saw i saw the espn projections 50 something points like i i think are you kidding me that. we all we all know he's better than that i'm yeah. not saying he's like i don't get it man i and that and, and that brings it up to that that whole thing you were de- debating about too like i have a hard time thinking that jonathan huberto is this trash ass player who's just gonna be a 50 something player i know there are some guys who are gonna say oh no a lot of his his points are low-calorie points. This guy on his best day could still be a 70, 80-point player, man. I don't know if that's a guy who you want in your roster while you're trying to tank. And this and this team is too good to tank. If Andrew Majapani is actually healthy as he say as he says he's going to be, you're not going to be able to tank with that. Nassim Kadri, same deal. Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Wieger, Jacob barkstrom has been skating all offseason. He's apparently healthier this offseason than he was the offseason before. This is not. A t- this is a t- and, and with Elias Lindholm in the fold, you could at least make a run of things, man. Like, I don't know how, and even if you offload from him, you get rid of him, you get rid of Hannafin, you get rid of uh, Michael Backlund. Like, it's just still too many decent players on this roster for you to properly rebuild right away. It's gonna take a bit of pain to to go through. And considering the play- the pain that Flames fans have gone through. I don't know. If I was a fan, I'd rather at least see them try than at least see them try to fail and then go through the pain of that. Like Mandy brought up a really good point: the Buffalo Sabres are who they are now after two failed rebuilds. Well, one failed um, rebuild and a second rebuild kind of working.
1: I, I I've seen on the text line too. People are like, "What about the 2012 LA Kings?" Yeah, they had three Hall of Famers on their roster and had a very yeah, underwhelming that's a regular situation. season. Yeah. Like uh, Jonathan Quick, um, Anje Kopitar, and Drew Doughty, uh, slam dunk Hall of Famers. Like, slow down uh, about the LA Kings and trying to use that example. That, oh, you just get in, look at the Kings. Come on. Um, uh, that's Julian McKenzie from The Athletic joining us here on the Atlas Beats and Sports Podcast I guess the Big Show, Ruskin Rose, 960 The Fan. What is the absolute minimum point total uh, if Jonathan Hubert was healthy that would be a good season? To me, it's 80 points. It has to be north yep. of 80 points, Julian.
0: Absolutely. He has to be an 80-point player again. Like 70 is kind of okay, but that's not good enough for what this team really needs. He needs to be an 80-plus-point player again. He needs to be a contributor on the power play. He needs to be able to contribute at 5-on-5, and it needs to happen alongside good quality line mates. What do you think of a line of Huberto, Lindholm, and Sharon Govich? Is that good enough? Is that going to get him 80 points? I don't know, man. That right side depth is also another question I have too, but that's a whole other story in itself. But it is imperative that for the sake of of the quality of player that they have and the money that they're going to be shelling out to him for the next few years, Jonathan Uberdo needs to be in the best possible situation with the best possible set of line mates in order for him to get as many points as possible. Uh, 80 plus points is what I think. I agree with you, George. That is what's going to make himself. That's going to make a good year. But a lot of that is going to have to do with who he's playing with.
3: Who's poised for a breakout year? If you had to pick one candidate on this team for a breakout season, who would it be?
0: Hmm. I've Mackenzie Weger. That'd be my pick. I would think. I think he had a good end to his season last year. He seems very settled into the city, the locker room, the fabric of the team that they want to put together. I would think he's going to play top pairing minutes with Rasmus Anderson. I wonder if the team gives him more of a look on the power play, if considering uh, the defenseman that they'll have, depending on what happens with Noah Hannafin. Uh He got some power play time at the World Championships, but we all know that could be a different situation in itself that doesn't always translate to regular season success i might I, I i might add but there are some changes there maybe it's worth giving him a shot um i i think there's a potential for him to be the best defense on this team if not one of the best defense in alongside rasmus anderson uh he's getting paid like the highest paid defense on this team this year uh he's still in his prime it could be Mackenzie Weger having a really good year. He's had some pretty good years up to this point, but if he feels as comfortable as he's been feeling and he's able to stay healthy throughout the year and he's able to continue some of that momentum from the end of last year, he could be, he could be that player. He could be that breakout player, so to speak.
3: Yeah, like... I'm thinking about a guy, you know, Andrew Mangipani, a couple of years, you know, he had eighteen goals in the bubble, then the next season he comes out and has thirty-five. Is there someone maybe in a little bit of a younger age range that hasn't been as much of a consistent NHL like uh, if I had to give you the group of Sharon Govich, Dube, Coronado, and Pelche, who would you pick as your breakout player for the season?
0: Coronado, mm. probably, because of the fact that he has that scoring ability and he's been playing a lot of hockey. As of late at the same time, yeah. could that work against him because of the fact that he's played so much hockey, he might feel tired? Uh, he's probably, I mean, he's been able to have a break considering uh, the offseason, getting to play at the World Championships for a little bit, but he's been training all offseason. He's going to be put in a top six role because of the depth on the right hand side. Uh, maybe, I mean, I, I mentioned Huberdo, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, not to say that that should start training camp, but. What if we see a point during the year where it's Huberto, Lindholm, Coronado? You know, I, I think he's put himself in a position where a top six job for Matthew Coronado, it's his spot to lose. Unless this team gets creative and adds another piece that can play on that side, there's an opportunity for him to, to do well. And yes, they could move Andrew Mangiapane to the other side too. Maybe you could even do Huberto, Lindholm, Mangiapane. That's actually a pretty good idea. But if you're Matthew Coronado, there's a spot for you. There's an opportunity for you to play top six minutes somewhere along the lineup. There's an opportunity for you to play with skilled players. There's an opportunity for you to play regular season minutes at a consistent pace and not just sit in the press box and wonder how things go. It could be Matthew Coronado. He showed a lot in that last game uh, against San Jose and then playing with Team USA at the World Championships where you're thinking that when it comes time for him to return to Calgary, you can't not give him a shot uh, as far as I'm concerned. I would think in terms of some of the younger players you're going to put into that lineup, him and Peltier have the best chances of anyone considering the games they were able to get in last year and what they've shown in that time. Even if Coronado only got that one game, he still had that whole summer after him uh, to impress.
1: Julian McKenzie does a terrific job of covering the flames for The Athletic on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bargast Hotline. Uh, Great job, uh, friend. Uh, We'll see you soon, and uh, let's do this again soon.
0: Let's do this again soon. I was very surprised at how civil you two were the entire segment. I was hoping you two (laughs) would fight. No, there's there's no... We're
3: very civil.
0: Yeah. There's no, I mean, like, fight in, like, the context of sports radio. I didn't mean, (laughs) like, you guys were going to, like... This is gonna turn to like the the final battle from Eight Mile. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want that. Like, not, y'all were just doing like, you don't want to see George and I in a
3: rap battle. Like.
0: I mean, like, who would be the Emin- I mean, you could be the Eminem. Who's Eminem and who's Papa Doc between you two? You think?
3: I don't know if I want to go down this road. Yeah, George. <laughs> <laughs> George, go ahead. <laughs> Your turn.
0: No.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, George but if I had one shot, on one opportunity, uh, mom spaghetti, yeah, you bet your ass I'd uh, <laughs> hit it out of the But park. I
0: know something <laughs> about you. Uh, what's the private school in in Calgary? Maddie Rose went there.
3: What? I didn't go to any he private to school. Springbank. Springbank is not Spring a private Bank. school. That's a
0: private
2: school. Oh, yeah, a, Rundle school College so it's is a private public school. school you
3: guys I say Rundle College is a private.
2: But
0: school I know something about you. You <laughs> went to Randall College. That's a private school. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I had friends who went there. I guess <laughs> I,
0: I knew of it, but no, I never wore a
3: uniform at school. Unfortunately. Hmm. All right, this man's uh, a
0: gangster. His real name's Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to go. Charles Davis, great job, Julian.
1: We'll talk soon. Thanks. Peace, guys. See you, buddy. Charles Davis next. <laughs> Big Show, Rustic and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the Fan.